Well, our guest preacher tonight, I've known him all his life. Amen. And when he came, uh, when I came to town, he wasn't even born yet. And then he was born on my birthday with his sister. And uh, he's had to live down this truth that his sister was born. How many minutes? 13? 18 minutes before Stephen. And she's always let him know that. Amen. They're, they're totally different. Uh, one's blonde-haired and blue-eyed, and one's brown-haired and no hair. No, and uh, I mean brown-eyed. And uh, one's real outgoing and one's real shy. And uh, I won't tell you which one's the shy one. But I appreciate my son. I was at his ordination service in Dawsonville, Georgia, and I was so excited the night that God ordained him to preach. But I knew God called him to preach many, many years ago at a little place called Sand Mountain Bible Camp. And so I'm so excited that he's here to, to, uh, to um, finish. That's not a good word. To uh, complete uh, this month of awesome preaching in August. And I love him. Amen. I can even hug him because we're the same family. Amen. <laughs> I'd like for you to take the word of God and turn with me to the 42nd Psalm. Psalm 42. For any of you who have been around Crown, you know that's my best Clarence Sexton impersonation. I even brought my manila folder. You're in trouble, Underwood. I don't know how many times I heard him open up a sermon that way. No niceties, no great song, none of that stuff. Just take your Bible, turn with me to the 42nd Psalm. This exact phrase I heard, and it wasn't to open up a sermon. The entire student body was gathered together in the auditorium, and we were about to watch a video message from Pastor Sexton. It was September the 11th, 2001. He was stuck in Colorado because all the flights across the country were grounded. Early that day, I was playing NCAA football at a friend's house, at Stephen Baker's house, and I had a pretty awesome dynasty going. And my uh, brother turned off the game and turned on the news. The North Tower of the World Trade Center in New York City was burning. Paper was flying out of a massive cavity as, as if the building was hemorrhaging. None of us had any idea what was going on. The news anchors were trying to speculate what had happened. Was it a gas explosion? Was it uh, some kind of... Uh, a bomb, they thought that uh, there was reports that an aircraft was involved. Was it an accident? And as I watched live, a Boeing 767 plowed into the South Tower. There's now no doubt this was not an accident. My mind didn't even know how to comprehend and process what I had just seen. We continued to watch as fire and smoke and papers continued to flood into the sky. And then we noticed several objects plummeting downward. We realized that those weren't objects, but people. I almost threw up. I don't know that I'd ever seen anything like that, where I watched someone go to their death and into eternity. Emergency crews raced through the area and began storming into the towers. I watched as one fell, and then the next it was my first year in college, and I was, thought I was a grown man. I thought I was, you know, ready to take on the world. 
But that moment, I wanted so badly just to be home. I wanted to be held and comforted by my mom. I wanted my dad to give me some sense of reason and calm my fears. We all gathered in the auditorium and Pastor Sexton just began, I'd like for you to take the Word of God and turn with me to the 42nd Psalm. And he read. And then he took us to another passage and he read. And then he took us to another passage and he read. No human explanations, no words of wisdom, no political narrative, just Bible. Just Scripture, one passage after another. And for the first time that day, I felt some semblance of peace. I learned a great lesson about the sufficiency of Scripture. I will never read this passage again the same way. I'll always think of that moment. A few days later, maybe weeks or months, I don't even really remember exactly when, but I I remember watching an interview where Larry King was interviewing several leaders from various religions. One of them was either Falwell or MacArthur or one of those famous guys. And, and I vividly remember how he, he asked a loaded question as he was prone to do. Where was your God when the towers fell on 9-11? I remember the, the response, the same place he was on 9-10. Pretty good. Amen. I can tell you though that question was not original to Larry King. In this passage, Psalm 42 and 43, we find it twice. We're going to take the time and read the entire passage. Before we do, I want to uh, give you a little bit of, of background. This is not a Psalm of David. That's one thing we're pretty certain of. We're not really sure who it was written by. Some people speculate it might have been a, an exiled priest, uh, someone during the reign of Athaliah or one of the other wicked kings. You'll hear that in the, the passage that the man was, was separated from the, the temple and not allowed to go there. That's another interesting thing about this passage is that it, uh, it tells us the location. It tells us where the psalm was written. We don't know who wrote it, but we know where it was written. It was written in uh, the mountains of the, uh, the Hermonites in the hills of Mizar, near where they think the source of the Jordan was. And it's a man that's surrounded by his enemies. And twice he is questioned, where is thy God? Where is thy God? In this passage, we find a great internal conflict. We find a conflict between what the psalmist sees and what he hears and what he feels and then a conflict with what he knows to be true about God. I don't know about you, but I've had that same conflict at times. Things have happened in my life that I don't understand, but I have to remind myself of who God is. We'll see that. Read with me in... Psalm 42, as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for thee, for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night. 
while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill of Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me. While they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of, my enemy, of the enemy? O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto the holy hill, unto thy tabernacles. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto the God of my exceeding joy, Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. I hope you notice that Psalm 42 and 43 are really one and the same. They're separated in our Bible, but often they're written together. You see that by that refrain that is given three times. It's the exact same thing given in 42, twice, and then verse 5 of chapter 43. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. If you're in the habit of marking your Bible, I would encourage you to mark twice in the verse 3. It says, where is thy God? In verse 10, again, the enemies say daily unto me, where is thy God? But I wouldn't stop there. I'd mark something else that's repeated in the refrain. I think one of the most powerful words in this passage, I would circle the word yet and underline that phrase, yet praise Him. Yet praise Him. God, I love You. I pray that You'll help me tonight as I preach Your Word. Lord, I want to be a help to these people. I know that there's nothing that I can say that can change a life, but Lord, I know that Your Word is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It knows exactly what these people need. Lord, I pray that you'll help me to do my job of making your word true and clear. That's just in your name. Amen. The first thing I see as I look into this passage is his circumstances. What he sees, what he hears, what he feels. Look back with me at Psalm 42 and verse 1. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee. Now often we say that, we sing as the deer panteth for the water and uh, we, we almost make it to seem like I'm so spiritual that I love God so much that I want Him all the time. And that's not a bad 
uh, way of looking at it. But that's not what's happening in this passage. In this passage of Scripture, he's thirsty because he's separated from the house of God. He's thirsty because he's, he is, he is a, 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 he's separated from, from, from who God is. Just like water is the source of strength and refreshing for the deer, the Lord God is the source of strength and refreshing for this man. And he says, I'm thirsty. I need it. I'm panting for it. I've been separated from it. He's isolated. He's alone. He's surrounded by nothing but enemies. He says, I'm thirsty. Look at verse 2. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? It's almost as if he's saying, God, I, I want to come to you. I need you, but I can't. When can I get back to you? When can I feel you again? When can I hear you again? When can I, can I get strength from you again? Right now I'm separated. It's kind of familiar. Uh, there was a period of time when we were separated from the house of God, weren't we? I don't know if you were comfortable with that, but it bothered me. I hope it bothered you. I really do. I mean, I saw on Facebook all the time, where it's like, the church is not a building. I, I, I agree, it's not. But it sure is a gathering. That's what the word means. We need to get together. I need you, and you need me, and I need to come to the house of God. I, I mean, listen, it's okay to feel something when you come to the house of God. I mean, we're not, we're not crazy off the wall, you know, in Pentecostal going nuts. We're not that way. But it's okay to feel. That doesn't make you less Baptist. It's okay. And I get something when I come to the house of God, and I didn't like being separated from it. I probably, I, I was, uh, I mean, y'all know I was sick for, for a couple weeks back in March, and about the sickest I've ever been. And, uh, I mean, I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't even watch a service. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do anything. I was just miserable. I couldn't even watch a service. It bothered me. I missed more church in two weeks than I had my entire... I mean, I wasn't allowed to miss church. Maybe y'all were allowed to. I wasn't allowed to miss church. <clears throat> There's something about being separated. When I was sick, I mean, man, it broke my heart. I was... Uh, my wife locked me away in the room, wouldn't let me around anybody, wouldn't touch me. You know, push bread under the door with a pole. When it would get too hot in my room, I'd be able to go to the living room. I was given a pass, and I would sit in the chair, and I mean, I was sick. I've never been that sick in my life. I felt like I was dying, but I'm dramatic. I was fine. <clears throat> but my little boy... Oliver, my youngest, would come up to me and he would say, he would want to give me a hug. And Stephanie would say, no, you can't give Daddy a hug. He's still sick. And he would say, Daddy, you're still sick? I was like, yeah, buddy, I'm sick. He'd say, two more days? You'll be better in two more days? The next day, he'd do the same thing. The exact same thing. Two more days, Daddy? I'll give you a hug? I mean, it was like, kill me now. I mean, I, was, I just wanted to grab him and hug him and hold him. You feel that way about God? Amen. This man was hurting. He was separated from God. He couldn't feel Him anymore. All he could feel was fear and discouragement. Look at verse 6. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and from the Hermonites, from the hill of Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. 
there's this emphasis in this passage of Scripture of noise. If we look back at, at, uh, <clears throat> at verse 4, he says, When I remember the things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. He says, I remember going to church. I had gone with the multitude. Not church, but you get it. It's the Old Testament, you know, the temple. I don't want any of y'all thinking I'm Calvinist. but He says, I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude Amen. that kept the holy day. I said, he said, I remember that sound. But he says, I, now that I remember it and I'm separated from it, all it does is just, it just makes me pour out my soul. It, it breaks my heart. It hurts to even think about it because now all he hears are the waves. All he hears is the deep. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. You know, they speculate that this was in an area where, where there were the, the hills of Mizar, the source of the Jordan, and there were waterfalls. And often they talk about deep upon deep, and they talk about uh, the ocean and the waves and those kind of things. And again, you know, modern music, it's like, uh, you know, those waves are just this, this, this overwhelming feeling of love and, and wonderful. You know, that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about just crushing noise crushing water, just driving you down. He says, all I hear, all I see, all I feel is the storm, is the water, is the waves, it's the, the deep upon deep, the noise. And then he said, of thy waves and thy billows. He said, thou hast cast me off. All of his worship was drowned out by all of the problems. Have you ever gotten to that point in your life? Where you're hurting and all you see is the problem. To the point where it just seemed like it was God that was mad at him. That it was God that was, that was, that was crushing him. And that's what he felt. I, don't, I can't judge him for that. I think Job felt that way at times. It says, even though you curse me, I will still bless you. He was oppressed and needing to be vindicated. Look at 43 in verse 1. Judge me, O God, plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful man and the unjust man. You get this idea that he's been falsely accused. That people have said something wrong about him. Maybe he was that priest in the temple and he was serving the true God and this wicked king gathered false accusations against him and had him exiled. And now he's surrounded by enemies. And daily, daily they say unto him, where's your God? You used to worship in the house of God and now you can't even go there. You used to say that he was the one true God. And where is he now? I don't know about you, but there's so many times in my life I feel that way. I feel like the world is just screaming at me, where's your God? They're mocking us. They'll let you do anything but go to church right now in California. They're saying, where's your God? Are you going to stop us? He was exiled. He was falsely accused. He was surrounded by his enemies. All he could see, all he could hear were problems. Where's your God? It was mockery. I want to remind you, we have an enemy. Oh, and you're surrounded by it. We know, we, we'd, first we'd probably think of the devil. That's my enemy. Yeah, Satan's my enemy. 
I don't know, I won't speak for you, I'll speak for myself. I don't know how many head-to-head battles I've had with the devil. I don't think I'm very far up his list of most wanted. He's only, he's, 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 he's limited, he can't be everywhere. He's, he's powerful, he's vicious, he is the prince of power of the air, he is as a warring lion seeking whom he may devour, but I don't know that I've had too many head-to-head battles with him. I can tell you who, who I've had a battle with, that's the world. I'm surrounded by it. We're in this world, and that's, I mean, we, we could go to John 17, we could go to uh, you know, 1 John chapter 2, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And that's all this world has to offer. It's just a bunch of junk and problems and hurt and mockery. And we're in that, and it's, I mean, listen, if, if, if you feel comfortable here, if you feel liked in this world, that's probably a problem. Jesus said, they hate me, they should hate you. If you feel okay, it might be because you're of them. You need to check on something. But I can tell you who my greatest enemy is. He wakes up every morning and looks at me in the face. In James chapter 1, it says that you're drawn away of your own lust and enticed. Listen, I don't, I don't have too many enemies just standing in my ear yelling, Stephen, where's your God? Where's your God, Stephen? Sometimes it's me looking in the mirror and problems I'm hurting and I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with junk and I look in the mirror and I ask myself, Stephen, where's your God? I thought you loved God. You put the check in the offering place, Stephen, and, and now you're struggling. What's the problem? Where is your God? Sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. There's a song that I love that talks about how we're prone to wander and God is prone to mercy. Amen. And one of the last lines in the, in, the, in the song, it talks about how when we get to heaven, it's like, freedom from myself will be the sweetest rest I've ever known. Amen. Such a beautiful way of putting it. When no longer is my own flesh against me. I mean, Paul had, listen, I, I know I'm, 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 I'm a bad guy, but Paul had the same problem. He said, I want to do right, and it's me who wants to do wrong. I mean, my, I'm, I fight with myself. Oh, wretched man that I am. So we see his circumstances. Everything he sees, everything he hears, everything he feels, it's just bad. If you've never been to that point, I don't know what year you're living in. This is 2020. And maybe you're feeling some of this. If you're not, I promise you, you will. We live in a broken world. We broke it. Don't blame God. We broke this thing, and now we'll face death. We're all going to hurt. We're all going to have these problems. We're all going to face this stuff. But you've got to fight for something. You've got you to have a conflict between what the circumstances are, all the problems. That's what we see in this passage. But then you've got you to get past the circumstances. You gotta, he sees his God. We see his circumstances, then we see his God. And he reminds himself of what he knows to be true about God. He declares who God is. I love this. All through this passage. He just, I, I imagine him with the waterfalls crashing and the enemy yelling in one ear, where is thy God? I can imagine him at the top of his lungs just screaming it out. He is God. You should mark them in your Bible as you work through this passage of Scripture. He is God. He is the living God. He said, He is my God. He is the Lord. 
He is the God of my life. He is God, my rock. I can just imagine him screaming it out. Where is your God? He is God, my rock. And he reminded himself, listen, he wasn't a perfect guy here. He said, he is God, my rock. And then he says, why are you casting me down? It's like, I thought you said he was a rock. He said, he is the God of my strength. He is God, my exceeding joy. He reminded himself who God is all through it. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28 says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. That's the kind of verse you need to just memorize. And when everything is screaming in your ear, where is your God? You just need to say it. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. That's where my God is. He's right where he was when he spoke and made all this. He's right where he was when he, he had the, the plan to, to, to save man from his sins. That same God, he's the same God. He's right where he's always been. He's right where he was on 9-11 as he was on 9-10. He is God. He's my God. He's the everlasting God. He had to remind himself who God is. Do you know God? I mean, do you know God? Do you have a relationship with him? Do you have anything to draw from when this world really starts to kick your tail? I can tell you something. Dig a deep well. You get close to God and you get in this book and you learn who God is. And when this world throws its worst at you, you just remind yourself, He is God. Amen. He never fails. He made me some promises and I still believe them. I, mean, I can't imagine what it was like to be in China and getting something done, then all of a sudden it's like, I need you to get out of China. And then you're like, well, awesome, I got in Taiwan. You're like, now nah, I'm finally starting to get something done. And then it's like, oh, we're going to need you to get out of Taiwan for a while. There's times when you just got to remind yourself, he's God. He wasn't confused. He didn't get things mixed up. He's still got a plan. There's people in Taiwan who need Jesus just as much as people in China. And we got people going to get back in China. I believe that with all my heart. You want to know why I believe it? Because he's God. And he said, I want the whole world to know who I am. He says, I have all authority given unto me. Chinese can't keep him out. Dig a deep well. Listen to me, the drought will come. No doubt about it. The drought will come. If you start looking for water then, you're toast. You have no chance. You better have, you better have your source now. I was preaching for Brother Gary back when he was really sick. and I, uh, I went over to check on him after the service. And he had his Bible reading. He said, Stephen, I've got to show you this. I was like, well, all right. He said, look what I marked. He says, I don't even remember when I marked this, but boy, did I need it today. He said, I was reading my devotion and I marked this verse. It may have been 10 years ago, but God knew he needed it then. Amen. He had marked it 10 years ago because he needed it then. You better not wait till you're in trouble to learn who God is. It's never too young to start learning who God is. He's a big God. He's an awesome God. This world is tough, but man, God is bigger. His God. 
So he declares who God is. He talks to God. He has a conversation with God. And let me tell you something. He's honest. Sometimes we talk to God and it's like uh, about as fake as it can be. God, you know that I am your servant and I am here worthy of... He says, God, I am cast down. He says, I'm knocked down. I'm on the mat. They're counting me out. He said, God, I feel forgotten. Look at verse 9. I will say unto God my rock. And as soon as he says, God my rock, here's what he tells him. Why hast thou forgotten me? Why have you forgotten me? Have you ever gotten to that place? Listen, those, that noise can get you. Uh, Stephanie probably remembers it. She may get mad at me for saying it. but <clears throat> We were with her mom and when Brother Gary was really near the end. And her mom broke down and started crying. She started saying every reason, everything she had ever done that, that she thought was, was causing all this. And I'm a very respectful son-in-law. I love her to death. But I came this close to telling her to shut up. I said, you need to shut your mouth. I said, God loves you. She was hearing all the voices, all the doubt, all the discouragement. She was thinking about everything. And I just said, that's not what you need to listen to. You need to remind yourself that God is good. You need to remind yourself that God loves you. You need to remind yourself that God is with you. You need to silence those voices. You need to talk to God. He was honest with God. He felt cast down. He felt forgotten. He felt oppressed. And then he asked for help. Look at verse, chapter 43. He starts talking to God. Judge me, O God. Plead my cause. They're a bunch of liars. They're deceitful men. He, he basically says the whole nation is against me. But I don't care what they think. I want you to judge me because you know me. He says, you plead my cause because you know the truth about me. He said, deliver me. I love this in verse 2. For thou art God of my strength. Why hast thou cast me off? Why go on mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Look at verse 3. Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them lead me. Don't let me be driven by fear. Don't let me be driven by the, the, the opinions of men. I want your light and your truth to lead me. Let me just give you a hint of where to find that. It's right here. You need to learn to turn the noise of the world off. You need to get in this book. You need to let this book do something in your life. You need to say, this is where I go for truth. I do not go to CNN or Fox News or any of it. Please. I do not go to Facebook to get my truth for the day. I got in the book this morning and I said, God, you lead me. There's a bunch of stuff to be scared about right now. And you can let that stuff just drive you this way and that way. And listen, there are people doing wrong right now because of all this junk. 
There are good godly people who are just not doing right, fighting and fussing and all that kind of stuff. They need to get back in the book and say, God lead me. I don't care what this says. I don't care about... Listen, there are pastors that have had to stand up in California and say, I do not care what your mandate says. Lord, let your truth and your light lead me. All through this passage, it's this battle between noise. What are you listening to? I'm telling you, that's one of the biggest parts of the Christian life. What are you listening to? What's your source? If you let let yourself, it will drive you into a deep, deep hole. But you can get in this book and you can get victory. God will lead you. God will lead you. He asks for help. Now I want you to notice the third thing. So we saw his circumstances. We saw his God. and Boy, he's a big God. But then we see his conversation with himself. This is that refrain that we see over and over again. Chapter 42 and verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of of his countenance. He starts by asking himself the big question, why are you cast down? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Seriously, ask yourself the question, why are you cast down? As a child of God, why are you cast down? Why are you discouraged? Why are you defeated? Why are you fearful? Why? You're a child of God. You can come before His throne with boldness. He made this universe. You don't think He can handle a virus? Why are you cast down? But the enemy said this. I don't care what the enemy said. What did God say? He he asked himself, why are you cast down on my soul? What's your problem, Stephen? I need to have that conversation in the mirror often. What is your stinking problem, Stephen? Why are you dragging your face? Why are you so sad? What's your problem? Jesus saved you. You have a home in heaven. Are you scared to die? Why? You get to get out of this world and go to heaven with God. There's no reason for the believer to be fearful. Why are you cast down? Now listen, I'm not saying that's, not, I'm not saying that's an easy conversation. That's not an easy conversation, but it is a conversation that needs to be had. You need to look in the mirror and say, Why are you cast down, oh my soul? Why are you letting this world beat you up? I, we were reading Abby's homework on the way to, to here, and it asked the question. It asked some, it asked some question about, uh, uh, it was, uh, uh, you know, if, if, if a conquering nation takes over America, will they destroy the, 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 the church? And I was like, no, they won't. You want to know why? Because he said the gates of hell will not prevail. Why are you cast down on my soul? Yeah. Are you watching the news? There's 150,000 reasons to be cast down. I got one big reason not to. God. The big question, why are you cast down? Then the bigger God. Look what he said. Hope in God. He tells himself, hope in God. Why are you cast down? Hope in God. Hope in God. Corey Tinboon said this, I've experienced his presence in the deepest, darkest hell that man can create. Y'all know who she is, right? She wasn't a Jew. She was helping Jews escape the Holocaust. 
and her and her family were taken to concentration camps and were in horrible, awful circumstances. When she says, I have experienced His presence in the deepest, darkest hell that man can create, she knew what she was talking about. Listen to this. I have tested the promises of the Bible and believe me, you can count on them. That's good stuff. Hope in God. Don't trust yourself. That's a bad idea. I can handle this. I don't think so. There are some things beyond your handling. Hope in God. He said, I will yet praise Him. I will yet praise Him. I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know what it feels like to be in Taiwan, kicked out of the place where I thought God had me. I don't know what that feels like. I don't know what it feels like to... We have a family in our church and they had a little boy and on that day in the hospital room, I'm sure he immediately thanked God. Healthy boy, healthy mom. God, I'm so glad you're with us. Three or four years later in a different hospital room, the doctor said cancer. I don't know what that's like. I have no idea. I'm not even going to mock to say I know what you're going through. I don't. But I do know some truth. The same God that was in the room when Hamilton was born is the same God that was in the room when they heard the word cancer. And by the way, it was the same God when they said cancer free and He got to ring that bell. God was there too. I will yet praise Him. The world is screaming, where is your God? And they expect us to crumble. But when we praise Him, it tells them exactly where He is. Listen, there is no, there is no, there is no true testimony without some conflict. If life was easy, then if there was no need to hope, if there's no need to trust, and there's, there's no real platform on which to say, my God is the God. He's the true God. They say, where is your God? You're, you're, you're cast down. You're being overwhelmed. You're, you're being just, just, just destroyed by the waves. Where is your God? And he said, let me tell you about Him. I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to praise Him. My brother-in-law sent me a, a picture I wish I had it, but again, my wife would kill me. I was watching the kids or at work, and my, my wife was at the hospital with her family, and they had just gotten pretty bad news. I think it was like real bad news, like nothing else we can do news. My brother-in-law sent me a picture of Stephanie and Miss Linda and the boys in a huddle, praying. They could have been angry. They could have doubted. But they had started something a long, long time ago, way before that event. 
Brother Gary had taught them to know God and love God. He wasn't there in that moment to help them, to be with them, to lead the family. But he had taught them something. He had taught them to hope in God. And they just got together and prayed. I can't tell you the times I, I walked into the house and they were praying or they were reading the Bible together or they were singing. There are a lot of things in your life that you have no choice over. That you have no control over. There are a lot of circumstances that you would never choose. But you do have a choice about who you're going to listen to. You have a choice about what noise you're going to turn off and what noise you're going to listen to. The enemy was continually saying, where is thy God? Are you going to let them reproach you and mock you? Are you going to listen to that still small voice that says, Stephen, I'm here. When I was sick, I was the hardest thing about when I when I the hardest thing about dealing with that virus is that it was just relentless. There's twice I thought I was better. I texted my mom one time. I said I'm feeling so good this morning. It's like if I I said if I can if I can just make it through the night and not have a fever, I'm going back to work. I mean I hated it. And it was like that night that I was the worst I felt. Fever up to 103, and I was down for the count again. I think it was a Sunday morning near the end of my time with the coronavirus. And I was curled up on my bed. I mean, like, fetal position. I hadn't eaten in two weeks. And I like to eat. Y'all can... I mean, I couldn't eat. I couldn't eat a thing. I would brag about being able to eat, like, five Cheerios. It's like, hey, good day. I ate five Cheerios. I mean, I was, I was sick. And I was curled up, and I was discouraged. I mean, I, I felt so good at a moment, and I felt like I had gotten to the edge of the pit, and I was going to get out, and I was going to get better, and then all of a sudden I fell back down, and it was like worse than it had ever been. And there was a moment where I felt like I'm never getting better. I mean, it was only two, I'm a wimp, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm dramatic. But I felt like I was never getting better, and I was so discouraged. I mean, I, I wasn't able to touch anybody, nobody was able to touch me. My doctor talked to me on a video conference with a mask on. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I was in the hospital for like eight hours. I was really dehydrated and I had a chest x-ray that showed some pneumonia. So I was in the hospital for like eight hours. And I mean, nobody would touch you. It was the craziest thing. They put me in like the, uh, a room that was about the size of a closet. And it was dark and I had a mask on. I couldn't breathe. I mean, I have, my, I have pneumonia and I have, a ma I have to wear a mask. Made no, and I, and they, the, the, the doctor came in and she's standing like 18 feet from me it seemed like and she was like you know we have to put all this on in order to come see you so here's a screen if you need us push this button and we'll talk to I mean it was like it was so isolating and it was so discouraging and I was curled up on my bed and I was just broken I mean I was just so broken and I was watching Vision's service my church's service and they sang a song. 
And I just started weeping. I mean, just bawling my eyes out. Just laying there on the bed, just holding the phone at my face, just weeping. Because I felt something so real. I mean, I had been listening to all the discouragement of my own heart, and I have been saying, I am never going to get better. I'm so alone, and nothing's working, and I'm just getting sick. I'm just, I will never get better. And I listened to that song. What the enemy means for evil, you turn it to good. And it was like God just wrapped His arms around me. And it was, it was as if I was thinking, God, where have you been? And he's like, I've been here the whole time. Where have you been? Stephen, didn't I tell you I'd never leave you? Didn't I tell you I'd never forsake you? What did you think? I promised you I would be with you. Why are you cast down? And I felt it so real in that moment where God just wrapped His arms around me and said, I'm here. My wife wouldn't touch me, but God would. He said, I'll be with you. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, I'm with you. I remember the day when Brother Gary passed away and my wife telling me about how she just held his hand and sang. Just sang a hymn to him. A hymn that he had taught her, probably a hymn he taught her to play on the piano. That's how we respond to the noise. He had taught her that a long time ago. He taught her who God was. And He taught her that when it gets dark, when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. That's the choice you have. Listen, some of you may not know God. I don't know how you're going to make it. I'll be honest with you. If you do not know Christ as your Savior, I don't know how you make it in this world. I don't know how you deal with death. I don't know how you deal with the, the hate that's in this world. I don't know how you deal with the problems. I don't know how you deal with this virus if you don't know God. You need to know Him. Amen. You say, well, I grew up in church. That doesn't matter. My daddy's the pastor. That doesn't matter. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? When it comes to the time to die, that's what matters. Do you know Jesus? Hey, the world may say, work hard enough and you'll get there. You need to silence that noise. You need to trust Jesus. Some of you are going through it right now. You're hurting. Turn off the news. Turn off Facebook. There may be even a moment when you just say, not, don't listen to the doctor for just a little bit. I'm not saying don't do what he says, but I'm just saying just, just, just say, I need a minute to turn off all the noise. I don't need anybody else's home remedies. I don't need, any, I need I just need a minute. Turn off all the noise. I don't need the news. I don't need any of that. I don't need any of the drama. I don't need any of the, the garbage of this world. I don't need the doubt. I don't need the fear. I just need to talk to God. You need to let Him lead you with His light and His truth. Some of you say, well, I'm good. Everything's pretty good right now. There's not many of us in that situation right now. 
This is 2020. This is the time to start digging a deep well. You need to know God. I love it. She said, I tested the promises of the Bible. Some of you don't even know them. I'm not trying to be mean, but you need to know this book. There's going to come a day when the world is going to ask you, where is your God? Do you have any answer for them? Do you have any answer for them? You need to know God. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed. In just a minute, I'm going to pray and the pastor is going to come. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, today's the day. I don't know your story. I don't know what you're trusting in, but you're not promised tomorrow. Today's the day. Christian, you need to you need to determine I'm going to hope in God and I will yet praise Him. God, I love you. I thank you for your word. Lord, you're so good. It doesn't matter what I'm going through, you're still good. It never changes. I ask you to help these people in your name.